Hello and you're welcome back to The Public Eye, a five-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'll be your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today, I'm joined by Greg Bradley, founder and CEO of Black Box Fitness. Greg, you're very welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Sarah. Excited to be here. Good. Well, before we begin, I'm going to give everyone a little bit of background on Greg and his brilliant business. So Greg, as I said, is the founder and CEO of Black Box Fitness, a company that specialises in the design, manufacture and delivery of fitness equipment. Now, since 2012, the Belfast-based team have worked with some of the leading sports clubs and businesses in the world, including Irish Rugby, Arsenal, Adidas, Nike, the Royals in Dubai, and many, many more. Now, Black Box operates from their headquarters in Newton Abbey after relocating there from their previous Titanic Quarter location, right beside the Harland and Wolf Cranes, and they currently employ 100 people. Their ever-growing team are more than engineers and salespeople. In fact, they are pioneers of change. They aren't concerned with just making good products and providing good customer service. Just as you demand more from your body, they demand more from themselves, designing their products which help make athletes better. A brilliant uh, introduction, Greg, and a very modest man sitting across from me in the studio. But congratulations on your hugely successful business. So I want to find out a little bit more about the man behind the business. How did the business start in the first place? Yeah, it was actually uh, 10 years ago last Saturday, believe it or not. So, um, which, yeah, was quite a nice milestone, I think, yeah. 96% 96% of businesses fail maybe in the their first 10 years and yeah I'll be honest there was many times we were probably close to being on that statistic but um, yeah look the, the business was being bootstrapped I um, yeah played Gaelic football for Onro Colerain you're, you're part of the My world part of the world yes and uh, yeah I think they got a grant a couple of years ago for a gym and I just felt that they maybe could have had a been offered a better solution so I think that planted the seed and yeah I wasn't naturally gifted at Gaelic football I was yeah probably one of the worst players to, to win a senior championship but I, I just found that going to the gym made me a slightly better athlete and somehow I managed to get into the the first team so yeah the rationale was basically I'll um yeah sell this equipment and maybe keep a couple of pieces for myself and the the club to use and yeah basically downloaded pictures of equipment put it onto adverts.e it's kind of like a marketplace like gumtree and then loads of people started ringing me and i I didn't have anything to sell at this stage um so what were you doing apart from the sports what what sort of age were you at that stage and what were you doing yeah, it's about 23. I just finished university, studied uh, communication, advertising, marketing. Um, well, when I say studied, I somehow <laughs> stumbled my way through the, the course and managed to graduate. Um, so and I always felt that I was um, always going to do something on my own. I had no real aspirations to go and work for someone else. At university, I used to sell Abercrombie and Fitch clothing, I used to 
bring it in in bulk and then sell on eBay. And it was mainly so you're a bit of a Dell boy. Yeah, well, it was the funda, <laughs> an overactive social life. So um, yeah, I just felt it was easier than working for someone else. And well, know. I hope you got a good dissertation out of that because you know you were actually doing a bit of marketing and selling. Yeah, it, it was a good course. I you know I would encourage people to go to university. I don't feel it's essential, but um, it, it was a good sort of learning ground for me. Um, but you obviously had the spark there. You recognise, you, and you're good at this, you know when there's a need and there's a gap in the market. Yeah, I think someone from Chain Reaction maybe came in and did a, a talk uh, to us at university, and for me it was probably one of the most impactful things. I thought, this is cool, this company's in Northern Ireland and selling globally, and it probably gave a bit of confidence that that could be done. Um, it is amazing when you do hear those inspirational stories, and especially when you know it's someone that's like you, and then you think, oh, mm, could I do that? Yeah, it's massive. You know, success leaves clues. And, you know, once you see local companies doing stuff in the global stage, it gives you the, the belief that you can do it. But look, when I started the company, I didn't think we were maybe going to achieve some of the stuff we have. But, um, yeah, thankfully, we've been able to secure some nice contracts over the past few years. But Yeah, we'll come to those in just a minute. Um, You've just said there you've celebrated 10 years in business, which is a massive achievement. And, you know, as I said at the start, you are very modest. But so you started not designing then, you started sourcing. Yeah, at the, at the start, well... At the start, actually, I went to a welder in Corey and was like, I was like, can you make this equipment? And he said to me, oh, do you have engineering drawings? I was like, what's an engineering drawing? <laughs> I, I don't know very much about engineering. I still don't know a huge amount about it. Um, so at the start, we were kind of subcontracting manufacturing and then importing some products from China. And then it just for me, I felt that, you know, it's important to have a USP in, in business so I, I went to Belfast Met and asked them to sell me a welding machine and give me one of their best graduates Gosh. Um, they sold me the machine I don't think they gave me their best graduate because <laughs> he left a week later to go work on oil rigs um, but then the guy that replaced him he's actually still with us today he's he's actually got a black box tattoo on his uh uh, hand as well so um, gosh that's incredible so he's he's still going strong and very much part of the business allowed you to create this business yeah he's been there eight, eight years and most of our team we try to you know hire from within and they let them grow within the business we've a you know a relatively young team but we've got quite a few experienced people as well from chain reaction and other places um but yeah for me it's important we try not to have a huge high staff turnover we want people that are so there's continuity within the business um, so you start with one welder and a welding machine um what happens next uh, then next we bought a, a powder coating machine and I remember even the guy that was selling it was like you, you don't really justify purchasing this but I just felt that for us being able to customise equipment was quite important and again So for those who don't know because of course I know what a powder coating machine is not what is it? Oh sorry it, it, so it basically paints the steel a, a colour 
um, and it's quite a durable um, coating. Ah. So uh, basically, kind of like a spray paint, but slightly different. So so branding uh, was really key for you. Branding's important, and what we would call sort of yeah mass customization. You know, we try to co-create with our clients so we can put their logo on the equipment and put it in their color schemes because. You know, if you're just importing your products from China or elsewhere, you can't really do that. Um, so, yeah, kind of one of the mantras, try to live by sort of zig when others sag. And, you know, no one really was manufacturing in Northern Ireland or, or locally. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is a, a good USP for us. And, you know, I feel creation transparency is quite important. People want to know where their products are coming from. And I think... COVID's probably been a, an accelerator on that. You know, people want maybe local products as opposed to products that are coming from the Far East. Absolutely. Um, um, I love that zig when others zag. That's absolutely brilliant. Tell us about Black Box then. Where did the name come from? Oh, we've been through a, a few rebrands <laughs> over the years, yeah. As I said, I, I did study communication, advertising, marketing, but you think I would be able to come up with a, a good name. Our, our first name was Elite Fitness and Performance because I just didn't know exactly what the business was going to do. Mm. So it was kind of something that would maybe leave us a bit of flexibility. And then I thought, oh, we'll just abbreviate that to EFP Gyms, which is probably one of the worst names around. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... The third rebrand was in 2015, I believe. I was coming out of an established coffee shop in Hill Street. Probably had one or two too many coffees and drove past Black Box, the music venue. Oh, yeah, in Cathedral Quarter. Yeah, yeah and I uh, just thought, Black Box, that's kind of cool. Um, so then I texted to Miles from our team, and he tries to be a little bit sort of counterintuitive when I come up with ideas. And in fairness, he, he did abbreviate the name and create the logo and the blk box yeah, yeah. which not everyone always gets most people get it's black box, black box yeah all sorts yeah, yeah. <laughs> blk box no it's really good and it's really catchy and i'm definitely seeing it out there now um so y- you also talked there a little bit about how the business grew and what you realized is that I mean, health and fitness is, is massive and it's probably grown. You got in at exactly the right time. So you're manufacturing, you're producing these goods here, but you're going to clients and then saying, what can I do for you? So <laughs> we just heard some of the, the clients there, GAA, Ulster Rugby, Jaguar, Adidas, Nike. I mean, really, and the Royals in Dubai, Irish Rugby, Arsenal. Can you remember your first big contract? I can, yeah. I don't think I'll ever forget it. It was with Brighton and Hove, a football team in Premier League, and yeah, the the purchase order came through, and it was about 140,000, and I didn't even know what a purchase order was back then. Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll never forget that one. And how did that happen for you? Yeah. Sometimes one of the coaches was actually from Belfast, which always helps to have a bit of a, a connection. Um, but I, yeah, I attend a lot of courses myself and you kind of make friends with the strength conditioning coaches. And, um, you know, when they see that you're really interested in something and passionate about it as well, they're going to be very comfortable working with you as opposed to someone that's just trying to sell product and make a quick buck um but Brighton and Hope one for me is, was, was great because we it's a client that we've maintained over the past sort of 
eight or nine years. Um, last year we redid their men's gym. We've also did the women and girls gym and the academy. And, you know, it's easy to sell once, but it's maintaining that long-term relationship is, is hugely important for us. You know, we don't, we try not to spend a huge amount on marketing and, and advertising. We do a little bit, but if we can get most people do a good job and they refer and repeat business, um, we try to talk about the most important customer or client you have is the one you already have um, because you know in business we all get guilty of always trying to bring in that new sale um, but it's a, a mantra we, we try to live by we use a distinction also of a client versus a customer because a customer generally could be a maybe a short-term transaction whereas a client we talk about being fiduciaries for them where you know you're giving them advice that is correct for them and also you know you want to have that long-term relationship with them so so it's getting that balance right isn't it about when you're growing your business wanting to develop the business wanting to win new business but for you it really is about looking after the existing clients it is yeah one of our core values of business is client obsession so we have to try and be obsessed with them and That's I know it sounds, sounds a little bit odd and it puts some people off but <laughs> look you know culture is it's not one thing in business I feel it's probably one of the most important things and we try to within black box have a bit of a unique culture This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 So client obsession, what does that actually look like? Is that is that one of the things that you would you would say to your client, you know? We are obsessed with you, but then how can you be obsessed with Brighton and Hove and Arsenal and at the same time? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest and transparent. It is a, a challenge when, you know, the business grows and, you know, when it's smaller, there's less number of people to or clients to deal with. But as it grows, it is a bit more of a challenge. But look, I put quite a bit of pressure on myself to live by that mantra you know it means responded to emails promptly I've never put an out of office on I probably should um, have but uh, I, I just for me it's you know I just if you put myself in the shoes of the the client or customer it's you know what would I want and you know these people are spending a lot of money with us so so we hear an awful lot about you know values yeah um and living by those values and not being deviated when a podcast host asks you to why would you do that and how can you give the same level of obsession to your to a competitor but it's so important to stay true to your values isn't it oh 100 percent. and it's you know the higher you are up in the company you know they talk about the shadow as the leader of a business so if you know the senior leadership team if they're not living by those values people see it very quickly and it's not authentic um but i think also principles are important as well because mm -hmm. you know there's a saying what um values are for living not just laminating and you see companies that put up 
these values on the wall, but they're not living by them. No, or some don't even know what they are. They're just on the wall now, so that'll do, tick. Yeah, that's, that's it. And we try to, you know, and look, I'll be honest, I don't always get it right, you know, and it's, yeah, see, it's slightly easier in theory to put up these values, but... And it's easier too when you're the boss and you're the leader. It's harder perhaps to make sure that others then share the same values or principles as you. Does that start in the recruitment process for you? Yeah, and it's a great point, Sarah. You know, it's something that we've... Look, we've made a lot of mistakes as a business, but when you're growing so quick and there was a time where we were just... We needed more people within the business, but we probably were a bit too slow in, you know, it's that old saying, uh, hire slow, fire fast, and we maybe didn't put people through a, a proper process to make sure that they do live by our, our values. Um, weekly, every Friday evening, I would send a team update to the whole team, and we, we uh, it's called weekly wins, where people like, will go above and beyond the day-to-day, and we try and tie it to the core values of, of the business, because you know there's no point in having them if you're, if you're not going to, to do that. And are they ever tied into targets and sales? I mean, would you be driven by that too? Because at the end of the day, you know, if the business is going well, you want your people selling and you want them delivering. Yeah, we do. We we've only uh, yeah we've a profit share company wide within the business um, because again we want to try and have almost like a hundred mini entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs. I'll be honest, the the environment at the minute with steel and labour and shipping is it's a very challenging environment. So right. yeah, the the bottom line's not gonna be great, I would imagine, for the the next sort of 12 months but so how, how challenging has it been just uh, just tell us what it's like for you at the minute uh yeah like Rubbish. crazy steel we've got an email uh two weeks ago about ukraine steel up another 30 percent i think it's probably up somewhere between 150 percent maybe 200 since the pandemic started energy costs um yeah we basically almost quadrupled the size of our headquarters and uh, yeah, electricity, gas, etc. Transport. Transport, shipping costs Fuel. alone are mm-hmm. well over 100%. So, Will yeah. you be affected by the P&O decision? Uh, there might be a small amount of headache on that and it, it is a tra- tragedy what was done there. It's probably a masterclass on what not to, to do. Um, but yeah, it's... So there's so many things stacked against you at the minute, just when you should be absolutely thriving, and it must get really frustrating. It is, but I think uh, I try. I think in business, it's important to try always have a level head. There's a saying: um, things are never as good or as bad as they seem, and I think that's important. You know, if you win a contract, yes, maybe have a small celebration, but. Right don't start you know even if you win an award or whatever you know I think you can get a little bit too um carried away whereas if you just a bit of stoicism or you know I, I would read some books daily stoic um guy Ryan Holiday's got a couple of good books obstacles away and I think that's important in business that you always have that sort of level playing field it's really good advice though because we're all guilty of that aren't we and we celebrate the wins and then then we're not resilient enough to withstand when it's not good and business is never just plain sailing or an upward trajectory no that definitely not and it's probably something an area i want to work because yeah it takes a 
a lot to maybe impress me or something. I probably I try to give a bit more praise now. It's it's one of my many oh. flaws or, or blind spots okay. where where your employees need a little bit more encouragement. Yeah, mm-hmm. and look, I obviously appreciate everything they do, but it's maybe just for me. It's, it's just my personality. I always want to just keep improving as a business and growing, and I don't think the right way to to do that is always by you know giving yourself a pat on the back every time you know it's uh it's yeah. kind of what you're expected to do and let's get on with it do you think that comes from the sport background a little bit in the team sports and the coaching oh yeah i mean we joke r d within black box means rip off and duplicate like we just take the best stuff that we learn from and we get great access to sports teams um and you can learn so much from them all blacks is is one um oh, tell me about that well, we, do, we haven't actually worked with, oh, with right. the All Blacks. We have done some work with one of the, the clubs in New Zealand, but um, even just from reading the book, mm-hmm. Legacy. and um, But, we've, yeah, we've done Irish rugby and Bristol Bears and a few of the others, and there's so much stuff. And we talk about within Black Box, we're a sports team. We're not a family. And, again, this is from Netflix. I don't know if you've read Netflix Culture Deck. No. Um, well, they talk about, yeah, they're a team and not a family and look at I know that's not for everyone but for us as a growing business we need everyone playing their best and I understand things happen there's times where people maybe don't perform and we'll always try and support them but equally if it was your family you know you're always going to support your family whereas Mm -hmm. if you know, if, if you're not performing long term within Black Box, we just can't afford to carry anyone that's not because that has a negative impact. And if you're a top performer and you see someone that's being tolerated that's not performing for the business, so um, I think a lot of people could learn from that and yeah, and maybe helps you be a leader, a it, better leader. Yeah, it is. But you still have to have the compassion, so it's getting that balance right too. It is, and empathy is hugely important. You know, we. There's lots of stuff we do going above and beyond where we're trying to make it as cool a place and enjoyable to work. Um, but it's also come going back to the recruitment point. You know, some people think black box is like all we do is lift weights and kind of <laughs> hang out in the gym. Yeah, not do that much work, which, you know, we have two gyms. You know, we try and encourage people as much as possible to exercise. Uh-huh. But equally, there's a... Uh, so if they're in the gym too much, you're like, excuse me, back to the desk? Or? Uh, well, assuming the work's getting done, you know, we try to be a results business, you know. Effort, it's important, but it's not just effort. We need results here. So um, it's, it's interesting too in terms of the type of people who work for you. Do they need to look like they go to the gym? Is that important? No, you know, we don't. Really? <laughs> no, 100%. Like right. we don't. I mean, we've got 30 guys, well, and it is predominantly guys in manufacturing. Um, okay. And, you know, those guys aren't in the gym all day, every day. Um for me, cognitive diversity is important. We strive to even, and we don't have got perfect gender balance, but we want to have people from different backgrounds within the business because the worst thing you could do is just have, you know, a senior leadership team that's just people that are obsessed with the gym and stuff. So we try and have diversity within the business, but 
Yeah. And the synergies that happen then when you've all the, the diversity there, that's what you need to, to yeah. really have a great business. Yeah, it's, it's always like... So how are you going to deal with the gender balance side of things? It is a challenge given that, you know, we've about 30 staff in warehousing, um, welding, and unfortunately the reality is that they are predominantly male-driven, but, you know, in sales, marketing, um, logistics, uh, finance are head of finances as a female and we're trying to give as many people opportunities within the business um but i don't believe in just giving someone a job for to hit a quota that's it's whoever's the right person for the role um you know, we talk about level five leaders from jim collins and it's we want people that are training people from below them to be better than them and that's a challenge sometimes mm-hmm. now You've just recently designed and fitted out the new Nike. Do you say Nike or Nike? Uh, Nike. Nike, yeah, Nike, I say Nike, Nike, yeah. Nike. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I get that right. The new Nike headquarters at King's Cross in London. Yeah, it was a, a, a nice project for us to, to do. We had uh, did Adidas headquarters in Germany in Gosh. 2019, and then it was nice to, to do Nike last year. And yeah, our guys are actually in Amsterdam, I believe, this week doing Under Armour's European headquarters. Wow, so, this is um, incredible. Can you believe it? Do you pinch yourself sometimes? Uh, sometimes, maybe about twice a year, maybe max. Oh, no pats on the back, though. <laughs> no, no, yeah, just kind of, yeah, it's always trying to stay level-headed but it, it is nice but I do sometimes feel like a, a fraud mentioning all those names because the business has been built on looking after small business owners um, even home gym owners um, and they're just as important they, they are yeah and about 40% of our revenue would be through e-commerce direct to consumer and some of the feedback we get from people who having a home gym or a small gym in their house especially through the pandemic has yeah. been life-changing mm-hmm. for them so many did your did your orders go through the roof during the pandemic on home e- gym wise on e-commerce yeah Obviously. we were shipping stuff yeah. all over the world Australia Hawaii um America when the actual gyms were closed when they were closed mm. but pure gym is one of our biggest customers and they were losing I think half a million a day at one stage Gosh. so um yeah th- that wasn't great and we had a big project with Sydney Swans that was cancelled um so at the time you thought oh no what's going to happen here and yeah the universe provided it did and look I'm I believe transparency is important as a leader and you know we pulled everyone together and just said look we do not know what the outcome is going to be of this there is a chance we may have to let people go but we held off as long as we could and thankfully the pandemic was a bit of an accelerator on the e-commerce side of things as it was for so many and again unforeseen and you just have to go with it. Um, what do you think makes Black Box stand out from its competitors that you're now in with these huge names? Uh, I think yeah, the, the client obsession piece is, is important. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, said selling is, is quite easy, but it's sta- you know delivering on your promises. And if something goes wrong, and we do get some things wrong occasionally, it's standing over your promise and righting those wrongs. Um, I think obviously the local manufacturing piece is, is quite attractive for people because it allows us to, you know, we try and co-create their gym with them. Um, and do you see that continuing? Is that absolutely fundamental to 
black box. Yeah, I, I believe it is. And we're historically we were a, a B2B business. Now we're doing a mixture of B2B and direct to consumer. And I use those terms just for simplicity, but in reality, all business is people to people. But uh, I think for us, it's, yeah, we're expanding more into apparel. We want to be that sort of one-stop shop for anyone that so they can get apparel equipment accessories and we're even launching like a training app so that they could do a workout with you know their favorite athlete or uh, personal trainer so and you haven't gone down the old influencer route yet not 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 quite yet no we have a couple of authentic ambassadors um yeah, Emma McQuaid, who had um, recently won a, a big event in Miami. And, yeah, we've got a couple more for us. Um, yeah, we've got our charity partner, Battle Cancer, as well, which is a very worthwhile and, and valuable charity. And, and um, why did you pick that charity? Uh, well, yeah, I think it's one and two, uh, basically 50% of people is going to be impacted by cancer. And um, actually our sales manager, he... Um, he used to cycle for Ireland and he had cancer quite young and after he had recovered from it I think there was a bit of depression yeah. and um, and he did this move forward program with battle cancer uh, he came and talked to us and everyone was near in tears mm-hmm. and then he actually came to work for us and he's now oh. our sales manager but we're also trying to do stuff at the younger end with primary schools and um, younger people because, yeah, if we can get people making sport and fitness a habit, I feel there will be less chance of maybe obesity as a massive concern. And, uh, yeah, I think if we can get people into exercising. Um, and mental health as well. Mental health, massive. And, you know, if you think the past two years, people being stuck at home, um, I think it's going to be scary to see some of the statistics come out. So whilst Black Box does come across quite a high-performance brand for elite sports teams, we are trying to be more inclusive where we want to get as many people into exercising as possible. And that's why working with Pure Gym's so good because they've, lowered that barrier to entry historically it used to cost 30 40 50 pound a month to go to the gym now you can go for 9.99 yeah um, that's brilliant isn't it, it and is. then there's still a, a lot of people out there that fear going into that gym environment and fear that they're not going to be good enough or or you know that starting maybe with a weight loss journey or a fitness journey oh i 100% get it. i i'm scared sometimes myself <laughs> going into the gym and i yeah train a little bit but it, it is a, a scary intimidating it, sometimes, it is intimidating it? and i think that's what we're trying to do is just try and make it as accessible or e- at home as well or at, at home as well and even we're trying to get some of our staff d- doing something and i feel just yeah it's just making that tiny just start small do five minutes either go for a walk or a run just changing your mindset i would have been so guilty of this a few years ago say i don't have time and you know i maybe would have walked but i think during the lockdown i decided just to to start and you just have to create a new habit don't you and and the the results are great for your for your head and great for your heart too yes massive and a similar we have a similar mantra in business one percent better we just want everyone becoming one percent better so um and yeah, our other one of our other core values is demand more. So we kind of want you always demanding more of yourself, whether that's through learning or exercising or 
Um, so challenging yourself. Yeah, because, I mean, the biggest thing, we don't want people just getting comfortable and not, you know, we're trying to grow maybe 40, 50, sometimes more percent as a business, and we just can't have people that are staying still. Um, it is hard, isn't it? It's hard. There's so many pressures on, on people at the minute, and um, I suppose comfort zones <laughs> they're called comfort zones for a reason <laughs> because you think it's easier there but actually it is out of the comfort zone that the magic happens oh it is and it's so rewarding when you see someone you know it's, most of it is in people's head you know you think it's going to be a worse experience than it actually is but yes yeah, so rewarding when we either someone brings in a, a sale or they've learned a new skill or you know we have a team meeting every it'll be at monday at 12 o'clock and we get try and get people speaking in front of everyone oh and, do you wow and we don't force them but again you know when you see someone develop and grow and their confidence um and that's hugely daunting for people it is but yeah another mantra is just do something just do it. every Start day doing that it scares then, you yeah um, and that becomes okay yeah and People end up coming to thank you for it. Um, I like your style. I think I might like to come and work for you. (laughs) (laughs) What is the biggest lesson that you've learned um, or even the biggest challenge that you've faced? Obviously, you're learning all the time. I can see that about you. And, you know, you maybe don't dwell on mistakes, which is a good thing. You learn from them. But what would you say has been the biggest challenge for you? And what did you learn from that? Uh, yeah, look, every day there there is challenges growing the business. I was being charged like five pound a day because I was in my student overdraft um, at the start. I haven't really brought massive investment in to, to grow the business. It's been through bank debt. Um, so there has been a, a fair bit of cash flow pressure there. Um, for me, it's just controlling your, your mindset because... You know, it is a, an emotional roller coaster when things go wrong. Even with a big order going to Jordan, um, and it's got held up in customs, and some paperwork weren't filled in, and I've got an email saying it might cost us like sixteen thousand pound, oh. and it's kind of, yeah, seriously. Uh, so, and how do you cope with that? I mean, why do you not just? <laughs> I, I, I don't think you can because if you got annoyed with everything that went wrong, you know, I still make mistakes, and I think it's for me, it's just having that culture of just always learning and improving and finding a solution finding a solution because you know we just can't have try to have a growth mindset and you know yeah we you know we can't come with a problem unless you have a solution um and i feel that's a better mindset to to have um i think everybody needs to learn that don't they that's just and and, and thinking i can't i can't i've never done that before or i don't know how it's so empowering if you say but maybe i could yeah (laughs) Yeah, let's go for it yeah Mm. well outside of work greg (laughs) what do you enjoy doing do you have any time off uh a little bit, yeah. I was at the the rugby on on Saturday, oh, um, which got a good day out, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting married in first uh, of July in, in Italy. So, oh, lovely! Um, looking forward to getting a couple of weeks off. For and tell us about your fiance. Uh, yeah, Kiva. Um, she yeah works for the the Princess Trust. So. Um, but yeah, we got engaged in San Francisco just before COVID started in, in March. Uh, so and where did you meet? Uh, we met, uh, yeah, yoga. Um, oh. So, yeah, 
you know, I used to be a bigger yogi than I, I actually am. And she That's w- where the Zen comes from. Yeah, it's, I do try to meditate. And, you know, again, when you're with, you, you need to be able to lead yourself before you try and lead others. So I would, yeah, spend quite a bit on either personal development or learning or reading books because, you know, I try to be quite demanding and, uh, you know, lead from the front and servant leadership. And again, look, all this stuff is it's easier said than done, living it every day when you're under pressure and you have emails and stuff. It, it's more of a, a challenge, but um, most of it for me is I do work quite a lot, but I enjoy it and, um, yeah, doing travel. Um, and is Kiva, is she a similar personality? Uh, probably not just as quite as type A as uh, <laughs> I would be, but, um, yeah. So very exciting getting married in Italy. Yeah, no. It'll be incredible. Very much looking forward to it. And do you have a kind of 10-year plan? Do you know where you'd like to be? You've just celebrated 10 years in business. You zig when others zag. What's next? Yeah, we we talk about we want to be the the best. You know, we want to be number one in in Europe or or in the world. Um, Try not to, you know, I do feel having a vision is important, but I think execution is, is probably the the number one thing. Uh, we are going through a retender process with Pure Gym and there's talk of maybe a, an international expansion. Um, we've done their first couple of gyms in America and, uh, yeah, UAE and, and Europe. So, um, I don't know, America's one that we've actively stayed out of, but it's, probably coming to that point where we need to make a decision if we will expand in there and why did you not go there uh, just resources for now and uh, i feel there's a enough in europe for us to try and grow into lower hanging fruit um but Ameri- if the work's there if they're yeah if they're interested keen and australia as well wow. we're doing um you know a couple of nice projects sydney swans there and man united's gym this summer um so i think it's very much just more of the same. And Which football team do you support? Uh, I, I try to stay a little bit neutral histor- historically. <laughs> Obsessed with them all. Yeah. But what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether it's a risk worth taking? Uh, yeah, I think just give, give it a go. W- within reason, because I do see some people maybe creating businesses that you can just see that maybe aren't going to work. So there's a good book, Lean Startup, and it's a good methodology where it allows you to test the market before you spend a huge amount of money on your your idea. Uh, I think fall in love with your clients, not your business or your products, um, because if you do that, generally you'll you'll be in a better place. And look, there's you know it's a great time to start a business. There's you know books um there's so much resources out there um i think yeah speak to other people uh, and just take take the leap and look your original idea probably won't be exactly how it's going to end up but, but that's okay um and i think just progress is hugely important i'm big into momentum just small wins every day um and 
yeah, give it a go. And keep moving forward. Honestly, Greg, you have absolutely inspired me. I've learned so much. I've scribbled so many notes. And I'm sure that there are many people who have tuned in today that have taken an awful lot out of this interview. Thank you so much for joining us on the Public Eye podcast. Um, good luck for the next 10 years. And I'm so excited to see what you do next. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, Sarah. Enjoyed it. Take care. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.